Hey, if you have your Bible with you today, would you open up? Would you open up to the book of Acts, chapter 16? And, and we're going to finish our series, land our series, My Story, God's Glory. And I hope you had a great Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday last week. It was really special. Many people came to know Christ, gave their lives to Christ in this room and online. We had a lot of turnout. And even online, they were telling me this morning, they said, Pastor T, we had over 70,000 people join us to worship on the online platform all around the world. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's amazing. That's amazing. And so God was really faithful and hope that you had a great time. And, and so today we're gonna actually land and finish this series, My Story, God's Glory. And my encouragement to us has been as we've dug into the stories of the Bible, the men and women of the Bible, some of the passages that, that we grew up hearing about in Sunday school, my encouragement to you has been this, that God's word doesn't shy away from the difficult, painful moments of, of people's stories. That, there, that everywhere you turn, everywhere you look, regardless of what book you open to, you can hardly open up the Bible and point to a page or a person and not find real people who had real struggles, real doubts, real fears, real challenges, made real mistakes. But in one way or the other, if they were willing to present those things, struggles, challenges, doubts, fears, mistakes, misgivings, in the presence of God, real struggles to a real God who offers real forgiveness, real mercy, real redemption, real reconciliation, the real opportunity through Christ to experience a real fresh start and a new start in life. If you will be willing to turn those things, God will continue to write your story. And you will experience what the Bible says when it says that God is able to take all things and work them together for the good of those who love God and are called according to, your, to his purposes. He's writing a story in your life. What chapter do you find yourself in? What chapter's being penned today? What chapter are you just stepping out of? And I've encouraged us through this series and I wanna underline it today as we close the book on this series and turn the page to the next thing that God is gonna be, be reminding us of or revealing to us. That, that, that God is, is, is writing a story and you cannot afford to get caught in a painful, difficult, unforeseen, or unexpected chapter of your life. You can't afford to get stuck, and it's exactly what the enemy loves to do, is cause you to go through a real setback, a real disappointment, a real mistake. Those things are gonna happen. Jesus didn't promise us that they wouldn't. He said that those things would happen, but what did he say? He said, but you can be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. He said, you're gonna go through some stuff, but you could be encouraged because I'll never leave you, never forsake you. I'll be right there with you on the mountain, in the valley, through the fire, when the storms rage, when the waters rise, I will be there with you. But the enemy loves to take those real things. He loves to take a Polaroid snapshot of your life, maybe a real moment of regret. Maybe a real mistake. You really did the thing or said the thing or thought the thing or didn't do what you knew you were supposed to do. And the enemy loves to take a snapshot of your life and he loves to hold it up before you and say, see, this is the sum total of your life. This is the end story. This is how you'll be remembered. This is how it's gonna go. God, can God really use you because this is a real moment, but I've encouraged us that if we'll take those things before God, like, like he's done over and over and over all throughout the Bible, he's still in the business of turning the page of your life. He's still in the business of writing the next chapter of your story. And I've encouraged us, if nothing else, you need to hear this today. This series has been the invitation and the opportunity and the encouragement for each of us to say, I can't control a lot of the chapters that have already been penned. 
They're already in the book. I can't determine what's already happened. But for me, from this day forward, from this chapter moving forward, I have a lot to say about what it's still gonna look like. I can look to God. I can invite God. I can partner with God. I can include him in my story. In the places where maybe I had made myself or someone else or something else the hero of my story, I can, st- I can press pause today and I can say, God, would you come? Jesus, would you come? And would you become the central hero of my story? I put you first. I look to you. I put my trust in you. Would you come and put your hand upon the pen that is writing the story of my life and let the rest of my story, regardless of what the previous chapters have looked like, let the rest of my story, the way it unfolds, be written for your glory. Someone ought to say amen. Amen. He is writing a story in your life. Don't get caught. Don't get stuck. Don't allow the enemy to put a period where God has intended for there to be a comma. Let him turn the page. Let him keep writing. If you're in a difficult season, come on. If you're going through hell, don't stop. Let him keep writing the story of your life, your marriage, your health, your finances, your business, your family, your future. He's not done with you. And today we're going to look at a pretty dramatic story one of the most dramatic stories in the life of one of the central figures of the Bible and especially the New Testament, the Apostle Paul. And that's saying something because the Apostle Paul went through a lot. And he knew the power of testimony. He went from being a religious legalist who would even participate or at least stood by in the, while Christians were martyred and murdered to being the man who God would select and choose and use to pin over 30% of the New Testament. And so he knows a thing or two about God's ability to turn the page and write a new chapter in in a story. And so we're going to look into one of the most dramatic stories of his life. But first, I want to encourage you with three scriptures that underline a profound truth that we must embrace if we're going to see God turn the page in the book of our life and begin or continue to write a new chapter. And the Apostle Paul said it this way. He said it so clearly. He said, brothers and sisters... And he's speaking to you and to me. And he said, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. He said, he's saying, if I may paraphrase, he's saying, there's some things about living this life of faith in Jesus Christ that I really haven't fully developed or haven't fully understood. I've still got room to grow. I've still got things that God is showing me. I still have things that God is revealing to me. But he goes on and he says, so he says, I haven't apprehended all these things. He said, I haven't attained it all. But he said, but this one thing, somebody say one thing. This one thing I don't just believe, I don't just trust in, I don't just conceive. I said, this one thing I do. And he says, forgetting what is behind and straining. Your translation might say pressing forward towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Did you know that God has called you to some things? And did you know to get to them, the apostle Paul right here, he said, there's lots of things that I'm yet to apprehend, yet to grow, and I've still got room to grow. There's things God is still doing and working and showing me and refining in my life. But he said, as that is underway, he said, I have understood one thing to be critically important as I'm moving forward to the call and purpose of God for my life. He said, I've learned I've got to let go of the past. And I appreciate worship this morning. It was powerful. And I appreciate Adrian bringing that powerful ministry word about, about the past and being set free from the condemnation of our past. And you know what? She said she alluded to, to the rearview mirror of our life, like, like every now and then just to take a check and take a look and be reminded of the faithfulness of God in our life. And it really is true. 
that when you're driving, you have to look forward. You can't afford to focus on the rear view mirror, but you gotta glance at it every now and then. You gotta look forward. We have a, a teenager who has just recently gotten his license and is beginning to drive, and how many know that will increase your, the fervency of your prayer life right there, you know? He's, he's got a rear view mirror that's, that's, I just think it's prophetically, thankfully, smaller than the windshield. You gotta be looking forward through the windshield. You gotta be moving forward towards what God has for you. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. I'm thankful for what God's brought me from, but if I'm gonna move forward in my life, in my faith, in my family, in my marriage, I can't get hung up with what's behind. I can't get held up or hindered with what's already happened. I've got to ask God to turn the page and continue to write my story for his glory. He, the, the same man, Paul, the apostle Paul, writes to us in Romans chapter eight. And remember, he said, there's one thing I've apprehended, there's one thing I understand, it's critically important, I gotta keep moving forward in faith. And he says in verse 38 of Romans chapter eight, he says, for I am convinced. He's just saying, this is not just something that I, I think is a good idea. He says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present, somebody say the present, nor the future, say the future, nor any powers, height, nor depth, anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us, speaking of you and me, from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, did you notice that he said that, that, did you notice that he said that neither the present nor the future, I had you say those things, do you notice what's missing from that statement? The past. And is it possible that what the Apostle Paul said so clearly and profoundly that there's one thing I've really apprehended, one thing I really understand is critically important to moving forward in my life of faith towards the prize, towards the heavenly call that God has for my life? Is it possible he understood that this was so true that he was actually intentional in omitting the past from this promise? Because he understands that the things that are present and the things that are yet to come cannot separate you. But is it possible that he understood if you allow the pain of your past, if you won't present it, if you won't allow the Lord to heal you of it, it actually can affect your ability to walk forward into the fullness of what God has for you. Because is it, I don't, I think it's, it, it very easily could have said neither the past, the future, or the present can keep you from the love of God. But he very intentionally says the, the present and the future can't keep you, but he understands. And I think we all maybe can relate to it. If we hang on to the pain of our past, it can affect our ability to move forward toward the future God has for you. But what, what painful chapter is God inviting you to through this message and through this series to allow the Lord to close the book on it and, and, and to call you to, to quit, quit driving with your focus on the rear view mirror? Because what's that little message that you see on the rear view mirror? What's it say? Objects in mirror are closer than they appear. Is that what it says? Here's what I think you could take from it is that what you're seeing in the rear view mirror is distorted. And the enemy loves to come in your life and try to cause you to think that it's bigger than what it, than what it really is or, or, or that it's closer than what it really is. And really, you can just trust today that whatever God has accomplished for you through the cross of Calvary has completely set you free from the pain of your past. Which takes us to 1 Corinthians 3, and I'm just unpacking this. This is critically important. This is one of the most powerful, profound, in my estimation, concepts in the Bible, and it's critically important to allowing God to begin to write the next chapter of your story. You gotta be willing to let him turn the page. In 1 Corinthians 3, Paul is once again writing to the church at Corinth, and here's what he says. 
and he's speaking of the context of this passage is speaking of all the spiritual blessings that you and I have access to as believers. And there are many and they are profound. And he says this, picking up in, in 22 of chapter three, 1 Corinthians, he says, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, who was Peter, the world, life, death, and watch what he says, the present, say the present, or the future, he says, all are yours. Your translation might say, they all belong to you. And you are Christ, and Christ is God's. Now, do you notice something that's missing again? He's speaking of everything that you have access to, everything that belongs to you, every spiritual blessing and gift that you have access to, that I have access to as a believer in Christ Jesus. And look what he says. He says, the present and the future, they belong to you. What's missing? The past. because it does not belong to you anymore. Because it was purchased legally and rightfully by the precious blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, upon the cross of Calvary. He came to pay the price. He came to purchase your sin. He came to purchase your past. But how many of us are clinging to something that Jesus rightfully purchased and it belongs to him now? I think about... <laughs> Every year or two, my wife likes to have a garage sale just to kind of clean out the clutter in my closet. <laughs> I think I made her laugh maybe there. <laughs> and I don't know about you guys, but I have to go to my own garage sales to buy my own stuff back from her, you know? She's trying to sell. I'm like, you really selling that T-shirt, you know, the, the city championship T-shirt from 12 years ago, you know? And she's like, it's torn apart. So like, it's, it's still, it's my favorite T-shirt. Come on, girl, you know? But how many of us, Jesus came and he purchased something old, something unbecoming, something that no longer fits well, something that maybe was in one season valid and applicable to you, but now it's just kind of hanging in the closet of your life. And Jesus said, I came and I bought it. Quit chasing him down and trying to repossess something that was purchased legally and rightfully at the cross of Jesus Christ. The future, the present, they belong to you along with all these spiritual blessings. The past does not belong to you, it belongs to Jesus. Come on, one more time. Just say, thank you, Lord, that's good news. He's writing a story in your life. Let him turn the page. So, so, so Acts chapter 16, this is one of the most dramatic stories in the New Testament. And here we find the apostle Paul and his associate Silas, in the, his associate in the gospel, Silas, having been imprisoned on account of their faith. And we, that sounds like a bad day, huh? And we pick up the story, verse 22, chapter 16, and here's what it says. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. I mean, come on, that's a really unfortunate chapter in the story of your life. And I said, after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. The jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. So they were severely flogged. The whole crowd was against them, and the jailer was giving orders, watch these guys extra closely. And it says, when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. In other words, in the natural, they were in the place and, the, and they were in the position that they were the least likely in the natural to ever become free again. The innermost cell, feet in the shackles. And reading on in verse 25, we find Paul and Silas's response. And I don't know about you, but I think if I was trying to serve God and I was preaching the gospel and I was trying to advance the mission of the kingdom and I had been stripped 
down to my birthday suit and beaten to within one inch of my life and shackled and thrown in the innermost cell. I'm not sure. I'd like to say I would, but I'm not sure I would respond like Paul and Silas are about to respond. But I hope that I can, and I hope that you will as well. And it says this, about midnight, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And it said the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, someone say suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And suddenly, someone again say suddenly, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. And the jailer woke up and he saw the prison doors were open and he drew his sword not to harm the, the prisoners, but he said it was, he, he says he was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped and he knew what was coming from his superiors because of the clarity and the conviction with which they had said, you better not let these guys escape. And Paul noticed what was going on and watch what it says. Paul shouted, do not harm yourself for we are all here. Really, Paul and Silas stuck around? Surely they were praying for the escape from the prison, right? And I don't know about you, but I think when the earthquake hit and the shackles broke and the walls came down, I would have said, hey, here's my sign. Hasta la vista, adios, vamanos, I'm out of here. I'll see you later. I am on a beeline and I am sick of this prison food. I am heading to Applebee's for a Bourbon Street steak and an Oreo shake. <laughs> I'm out of here. Paul and Silas stuck around because maybe it wasn't the bars and the chains that were holding them all along. Maybe they knew they were held by a higher power. And maybe they weren't praying for temporary relief from a short-term situation. Maybe they were trusting God that they had seen him before come through time and time and time and time again. Shipwreck, snake bit, that's the life of Paul. And every time God redeemed it for the glory of God and the purpose of the advancement of the gospel. And I think they knew that even though they were in shackles and chains, beaten and barred, they knew we're not praying for a temporary relief from a, for, from a, from a temporal problem. We are trusting that God is gonna show up and advance the kingdom and heal hearts and save people and prove to us once again that he is who he says that he is and the world might think that they can cause us or hold us or hinder us or imprison us but as long as God is with us and he is for us and greater is he who is with us than he that is in the world we can't be locked up we can't be silenced we won't be shut down and the advancement of God's kingdom will continue to increase forever and ever and ever amen <laughs> so the jailer it says picking up the story Verse 29, the jailer called for the lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And then watch, it says, he brought them out and he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Remember it said other people were watching. And did you know whether you know it or not, other people are watching your life? Other people are watching how you interact. Other people are watching how you respond or react. Other, peoples are watch other people are watching when you go through something, what comes out of you? Other people are watching when you go through something, who you're looking to and putting your faith and your hope and your trust in. And, and, and 
The jailer had seen Paul and Silas be so harshly, unfairly treated in prison, shackled and chained, bound and beaten, and he sees that they've been praying and worshiping, and I'm sure that the other people were saying, shut these guys up, it's about midnight, it's the middle of the night, we're trying to get some sleep, and all these guys are doing is praying and worshiping and, and thanking and praising God, and, and, and he had heard all of this, and then he begins to see what unfolds in their life, and he said, surely these men are speaking of a God who really saves. And he said, sir, what must I do to be saved? And Paul and Silas, it says, they replied, verse 31, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Immediately, he and all his household were baptized and the jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Just a few hours before Paul and Silas were imprisoned and bound and they were in the darkest place in the darkest moment and the darkest hour. They prayed and they worshiped and now that the Lord is preparing a table in the midst of their enemies. The Lord is, is pouring out his favor upon them. And read on verse 35, it says, when it was daylight, the magistrates who just yesterday were telling them, put them in the darkest hole of the prison and throw away the key. Now the same people were saying, send the officers to the jailer with this order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered you and Silas must be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. All because when they got in their darkest hour, remember it said about midnight. And again, they had every reason. I mean, every reason to be disappointed, discouraged, maybe even angry with God. We're trying to serve you, God. But their response, instead of bitterness, instead of running from God, instead of turning from God, instead of hardening their heart, their response was, let's just keep trusting God. Let's just keep praising God. Let's just stay prayerful. Let's just stay purposeful. Let's just keep trusting that he is who he is and he'll do what he says that he would do. They began to sing hymns, it says. They began to sing, great is thy faithfulness. I don't know what hymn they were singing, how great thou art, but they were singing a hymn. And it says that, that as they began to sing, things began to shake. And I'm just telling you, when we gather together in this room, when you are in your, your quiet, private, devotional times, when you are driving to work, when you are going home from work, when you're going about your day, and when you begin to sing, let me tell you, when you begin to praise, praise is powerful, praise is a weapon. Singing songs to God is more than something that we just do before the sermon. It's, it's establishing the atmosphere over your heart. It's establishing the atmosphere over your mind. It's reminding you that God is over and above and big than any circumstance, any storm that you're going through. That's what you're doing when we praise. We got to discover and rediscover the power of prayer and praise. And I know there's many ways that we worship God and praise God, but I just think it's powerful when we begin to sing God to God, when we begin to exclaim, how great is our God? You're the name above all names. Great is your faithfulness. When we begin to say, our God is an awesome God, whatever it is that you're singing, it's establishing that atmosphere. Praise is powerful. Do you remember that the worshipers all throughout the Old Testament would go out before the warriors? 
And as long as the people were worshiping God, they were winning the battles. We got to start worshiping God. And I remember, it says right here, it said that, remember it said all the people were listening to them. And I remember what it was like when I first came back to the Lord, gave my life to Christ. I was raised in a good home in a Christian church, but I had turned from God and I'd been very, very sinful and rebellious for about a five-year window. And I came back to God and I got back into the church and I remember what it was like to step into those atmospheres, a good church, a God-fearing church, a, a spirit-filled church like this one. And people were worshiping God. They were singing their songs. They were lifting their hands. They were bowing their knees. They were shouting to God. And I remember being intimidated because everyone was looking and watching and listening. And I remember having that decision to make. Do I fear what other people will think about me? Or do I, am I going to have the courage and the faith and ask God and trust him for the grace to begin to do what I know I ought to do, knowing what he saved me from? And that's begin to just worship him and thank him and praise him. It says the other people were watching and I know this is valid to men and to women, but I felt especially led to speak to the men and encourage you that your family is watching. Others are watching. And we ought to be a men of God, a people of God that understand that we're the most, we're the most filled with strength. We're the most filled with power when we're the most humble before God. And that's what we're doing when we begin to lift our hands and surrender, when we begin to sing our songs of adoration or praise. We're recognizing and realizing that he is God and I am not. And I'm telling you, man of God, if you'll allow the Lord to give you the grace and the strength and the courage to do what I did many years ago and just find the grace to begin to sing the songs and maybe just ask the Lord for the grace to just maybe begin to lift your hands, maybe not even both of them at the same time, maybe just one, or you'll allow the Lord to give you the grace to when he moves upon your heart to, to maybe bow your knee before him in a moment of worship or prayer. I'm just encouraging you that you'll discover that you're never more courageous, strong, and bold as you are when you're humbling yourself before God and your wife, and your family, and this church, and your workplace, and our city, and our nation needs a group of men and women, but I'm speaking to the men especially, who will once again begin to rediscover our voice in honoring and worshiping and celebrating what God has done in our life. And we saw it play out in the life of Paul and Silas. Their willingness to not fear what others would think and to press through that fear and intimidation and worship God ended up bringing faith and salvation to the others who were hearing what they were doing. And the same is true in the relationships that God has entrusted to you and your family with your teenage sons. They need to hear you and see you praying and worshiping. They need to hear you being real with God, worshiping God, not just when the things are going good, not just when you get the promotion, not just when you get the physical healing, not just when you get the provision, but in all seasons, in the darkest hour, it says about midnight in the inner cell with themselves shackled, they continued to pray and worship God. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, give thanks in all things. Someone say all things. For this is the will for you, of God for you in Christ Jesus. Did you notice it doesn't say give thanks for all things? It says give thanks in all things as you're going through the thing. Don't give thanks for the diagnosis or the shortfall or the downturn or the, or the rejection or the betrayal or whatever that thing is, but it says while you're going through that, you don't have to give thanks for it, but you could be giving thanks to God in the middle of the storm as you're going through the thing because you can be reminded he's with you and he's for you. He's seen you through some things before. He's gonna do it again. He'll see you through and he will see you too. Give thanks to all things. When I praise God, when, or give thanks in all things. When I praise God, 
when I don't get the job, when I praise God, when I'm overlooked for the promotion, when I praise God, when the provision doesn't come in, when I praise God, when I've been praying and many, many people have been praying and I still haven't received the healing in my eyes, when I continue to praise God, it's, it, it, tra- it allows, it's an expression of faith because it transcends my circumstances. It reminds me that I praise God not just for what he does for me, but for who he is to me. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were singing and praying and worshiping together, together. And the Bible says where where two or three are gathered together and right there, there was just two of them, but there's something powerful. And listen, we need to have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And no one can make that confession of faith for you. But did you know beyond, once we make that personal confession of faith, did you know that many of the blessings and things that are extended and bestowed towards us and upon us in the realm of faith are expressed in the Bible through the context of community? where two or three are gathered together. It's why it's so powerful. It's powerful when I'm worshiping God in my, in my shower, in my truck, on my way here to and fro. It's, it's powerful, but there's something extra powerful when we come together as the people of God and we all begin to unite our voices and lift our voices and worship God. And there's a tapestry of God's people, all different ages and colors, all different backgrounds and all different cultures and different seasons that we're walking through. And some are, in the, on, the, some are on the mountain and some are in the valley, but we're all coming together and we're worshiping God and it's powerful. We have to have a personal relationship, but much of what God then continues to invite us to and express to us is through the context of community where two or three are gathered. Did you know when they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray, remember how he did it? He didn't say, my father, our father who art in heaven, give us this day our and there's something powerfully important about connecting to the body of Christ, connecting to a family of believers and making a firm determination and commitment that we will be found in the house of God because better is one day in his house than a thousand elsewhere. And it's a value that we have for our marriage and our family is man, when the church doors are open as often as we can, we'll be found there worshiping and singing and praying and singing psalms and, and ministering to the Lord and being a blessing to others. We were established and saved and called and invited to to community, to the power of agreement. And people, when we gather, people begin to get set free and healed and saved and strengthened as we worship God and as we sing psalms even before the sermon, even before the altar call. Commitment to praise even when we're in the darkest hour, about midnight, bound and shackled. It causes us to remember who God is and what he's already done and what he's yet to do. It causes us to to focus our hearts and focus our minds and focus our attention on who he is and what he said, what he's promised. To have gratitude, and I'm just telling you, if there's one thing that, that I love encouraging people with, it's maintain an attitude of gratitude. Don't allow the enemy to cause your focus to be, to be focused on the things that are negative or haven't come through or the ways that God has maybe not yet come through for you. I'm just telling you, there's a process to his promises and there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, a, a delay sometimes that you have to experience as God is forming and fashioning you for the destiny that he has for you. But don't give up. He's going to get you through there. He's going to see you to it. 
And when we establish praise as the atmosphere of our hearts and our homes, it establishes an atmosphere of gratitude that says, God, I'm not gonna allow the enemy to come and show me the things that maybe haven't come through yet or maybe haven't materialized or the provision that hasn't shown up on the scene yet or the prayer that hasn't been answered yet. I am setting my heart on you and I'm reminding myself that every good and perfect thing come from, comes from you. I'm reminding myself of all the ways that they said I wasn't gonna make it. They said I wouldn't, I wouldn't survive, but I'm still here and I, and I know it's not because of anything I could do in my own strength. It's because I owe it all to you. It says, as they prayed and they worshiped, it says suddenly there was a shaking. Suddenly there was a shaking. And can you imagine? I mean, it's like we've been beaten, we've been bound, we're in the inner cell, and we're praying and we're worshiping, and now God's gonna send an earthquake and this whole place is gonna collapse on us. And I read it and I felt like the Lord wanted me to come and encourage someone whose world seems like it's shaking. Your heart, your mind, your marriage, your family, your finances, it feels like it's shaking. And I wanna encourage you today that God is still able and willing and his desire is to do exactly what he did in the life of Paul and Silas. Use the shaking to cause you to turn to him. Use the shaking to shake some things loose. Use the shaking to cause you to turn to him. Use the shaking to set you free from some things. The, the shaking that came was the very thing that caused Paul and Silas to shake loose and become free and become unbound. It says suddenly there was a shaking. Suddenly the prison doors flew open. And I don't know who I'm preaching to, but maybe there's some people who you thought the prayer would have already been answered. You thought the spouse would have already been saved. You thought the child would have already come back to the Lord and I'm telling you that if you'll keep faithful, if you continue to live out what the Bible encourages us, which when it tells us to, to, to not grow weary in doing good, but to keep doing good, keep praying, keep worshiping, keep loving, keep forgiving, keep serving, keep giving. The Bible says in due season at the right time, you'll reap a harvest of righteousness if you don't give up. I just believe that maybe there's some suddenlies coming for some people, something you've been hoping for, something you've been believing for. Maybe there's a suddenly that's about to come up, to come into your life if you will not give up. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Stand to your feet this afternoon, I guess, is the better way to say it. And let's respond to God. And I want to encourage you to just think back about anything that the Lord's been trying to get your attention about throughout this whole series, My Story, God's Glory. And I want you to do business with God. I want you to say, God, whatever it is that you're reminding me of, whatever it is you're looking to reveal to me, whatever it is you're strengthening me, whatever it is you're healing in me, I, I embrace it today. As we're wrapping up this series today, moving into something else that God's gonna start focusing us on and speaking to us, don't, don't lose sight of and don't, don't let it pass through your fingers or your hands today, whatever it is that God's doing through this series. Maybe he's reminding you about how he's paid the price and made the way for you to be set free from the pain of your past, those previous chapters that maybe really are unfortunate, filled with regret, pain, whatever it is. Maybe, to, maybe through this series, he's, he's given you faith for the future, that maybe you'd become kind of just stuck. And, and, and what you've come out of and what you're walking through, just, you were just kind of beginning to settle. And through this series, God's just encouraged you. Would you allow me to keep writing your story? 
There's some new chapters. There's some good things that I desire to do in your life. If you'll look to me, if you'll welcome me, if you'll honor me, if you'll invite me. And it's been the theme that I've been encouraging us all throughout this series for us to, in some way, in a fresh way, a new way, or a recommitted, redetermined way, to say, Jesus, come and be the hero of my story from this chapter forward. God, come and put your hand upon the pen that is writing the next chapters of the story of my life. I don't want to be the hero of my story. I, I repent for the places, the people, the things, the objects, the goals, whatever it is that I've made, the ultimate object or hero of my story. I want you to come and be the hero of my story. And I trust you, Lord, for the next chapter. I trust you, Lord, for the conclusion of my story to be written in such a way that ultimately when people think about the story of my life, when people gather around and remember the story of my life, that ultimately through the valleys and on the mountains and everything in between, my story really will point to God's glory. And so will you just take a moment and I want to encourage us. This is a posture that I invite us and encourage us to get into often. Would you just lift your hands before the Lord? Just have the faith and the courage to just lift your hands. And this is a posture of surrendering the next chapters of our story to God. It's a posture of releasing the painful chapters to God. It's a, it's a posture of expressing forgiveness, no longer holding tightly to maybe some of the real things that happened or were done or said to you in previous chapters of your story. And at the same time, it's a posture of receiving. God, whatever you need to do, whatever you desire to, to bring, whatever you desire to heal in me, Lord, my, my, my arms are open, my hands are open before you, Lord, my heart is open before you. And this is an outward sign, Lord, of an inward work. And Father, I just thank you as we close this series. I thank you that this would be a season where I just ask, and I know that you hear and you care, Lord, about people's stories way, way, way more than I ever could as their pastor. But I pray, God, that this would be a season, Lord, where there would be chapters of reconciliation, chapters of restoration, chapters of redemption, chapters of newness and freshness, chapters of, of just fresh love and grace and mercy filling marriages and hearts and homes and families, God. Fresh, uh, fresh chapters of hope and courage and strength for the future. People who have maybe been sidelined by disappointment or, de or, or what the world would call defeat. God, that this would be a season of stepping in and fresh faith, Lord, to allow you to write a new chapter and, and allow us to step into a new day, God. And I just declare that over this church family in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, so many stories, different chapters being written, God, but I just pray, Lord, that they would all ultimately bring you glory, God. That's our heart's desire as a people. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. And maybe keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. And right now, before we worship one more time and get you about your day, give people the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And maybe you once loved God, served God. Maybe you're like me. You grew up in the church, but then you turned from God. And if that's you, you're what the Bible describes as a prodigal son or daughter. Jesus told that parable about a son who grew up in a good home but decided he was going to go and do it in his own strength, his own way. And the story goes like this. He went 
And for a while, it seemed like it was okay, but eventually all the things that he was doing and all the ways that he was rebelling against his father's house and all the things that he was looking to accomplish and build in his own strength and all the ways of the world and all the things that it offered left him empty and void of purpose and love and hope. And, and so he finally got to the end of his rope and he, and he came running back towards the father's house. And the Bible says that the father did not resist him or reject him because in spite of his own bad choices and decisions, in fact, the father was every day looking and watching, hoping it would be the day that the son who had once rejected the father and tried to go do it in his own strength, that this would be the day that he or she would come back home. And the father, if you go reread the parable, runs to the, to the child and welcomes him home and honors him and puts a ring on him and a robe on him and throws a celebration for him. And that's exactly what God wants to do for you today. Maybe you made some bad choices. Maybe you turned or drifted from God. Today, his arms are wide open and he's saying, would you come home to me? Would you come home to me, my child? And maybe that's you, or maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, never made a confession of faith, never asked him for the forgiveness of your sins, never received his response, which is to come into our life and wash us completely clean and remove all the weight of our past completely from our shoulders. That's the power of the gospel, and it's a free gift of salvation that we receive the grace of God by faith. So if that's you in this room, if that's you online, You've drifted from God or you've never put your faith in Jesus. You've never experienced forgiveness. Right now is your moment. Right now is your moment. Here's what I wanna ask you to do. I want you to lift your hand high towards heaven. Don't, don't delay, don't wait. Just lift your hand, say, that's me. I need to come home to my Father. That's me, I need the forgiveness of a Savior. And online, I think it's powerfully important that you might even take a moment and pull over to the side of the road or stand up from your couch or your desk and, and just take a moment. You're not responding to a preacher. You're responding to a heavenly father who was, who was longing for you to come back into a relationship with him that transcends religion. If you lifted your hand and you haven't already, you could lower it and many precious people came home to Jesus today. Many, many precious people said yes to Jesus and came home to their father and here's what we're gonna do. And if you're part of this church family, you know what's coming. But if you raised your hand, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna, we're gonna lead you in a prayer, but we're not gonna ask you to pray it alone. We're gonna pray it with you because we wanna show you right from the start that there's a church family that wants to come alongside you and help you and strengthen you, encourage you, disciple you, mentor you, counsel you, just help you begin to discover what, it like, what it's like to live out this life of faith in Jesus. And we do it for a second reason, and that's this, we never graduate from grace. God's maturing us, he's growing us in our faith, but everything he's gonna do, everything he could ever do, it's all built on the unmerited foundation of the amazing grace of the cross of Jesus Christ. And so come on, there were many precious people in this room, I trust online as well, who said yes to Jesus. Let's pray this prayer with them. Come on, pray boldly with me. Repeat after me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I recognize my need for a Savior. And I thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price that I could never pay, to make a way that I might have a new life and a fresh start. And I give you my life, I give you my trust. And because of Jesus, come on, say it loud, that I will never be the same and then rejoice with all of heaven for the precious people that came home to Jesus today. Hey, come on, God's writing a story in your life and he's not done with you. He's not finished with you. The best is yet to come. Come on, let's worship the Lord one more time together today and then Amity will come and dismiss you here in a moment.